0: Is there no end to your own hypocrisy? You God is power, you have no shame. Your only interest is political
1: gain. You hide your eyes and refuse to listen. You
0: play your game. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgianos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I love our Thursday shows. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Thank you also to our audience. I love having a studio audience. Just builds kind of energy and excitement around our shows on Thursdays. I want to do two quick introductory things at the beginning of the show. One is I want to thank Brighteon TV, TV, which you can find the show on all social media channels that exist except YouTube. But you can also find it on TV, And I really want to express gratitude to them because they're giving the opportunity for shows that are not going to be picked up on mainstream media but have serious substantive content. Put it out on brighteon.tv. Please check that out. I also want to thank that great theme music at the start of our show, I Am America. It is the best, best, summary of what the show is all about is that we the people we decide america's future by the degree to which we get involved uh, in protecting ourselves our country being involved in shaping america's future we are we are america so i'm america sung by krista branch music and lyrics uh, written by her husband and when i saw her at a concert or at a speech actually i gave and she did the intro and did the music and i went up afterwards and said please could I use your music and she just said just just give me credit once in a while so there you go krista branch fabulous singer (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we're welcome to our show today, a guest who's been with us I think a couple of times or more, but it's Dr. Brian Artis. And he was one of the early people, uh, early doctors speaking up as, as America watched the COVID um, fear-mongering and the, I don't even really want to call it a pandemic, the COVID episode came to America. And he was one of the first doctors to just very carefully look into data and not just take at face value everything that was coming out from the federal government. So he's just, he's got his own show. Uh, he um, let me just back up and do his intro right now uh he is the founder of the artist healing center of the smokies um, and so that was in eastern tennessee and then in 2019 dr artist and his wife jane launched artist labs llc a company defines i love this actually really important piece of the introduction a company which has defined its core focus which includes creating doubt in big pharma and restoring faith in nature. I love that. He also makes mention at Artist Labs, we put our faith in God's healing power. He infused in our bodies and the whole of nature around us. They advocate for healthy, natural solutions to all sorts of problems. He's also been a relentless researcher and pioneer in speaking truth about COVID. So please help me welcome to the show, Dr. Brian Artis.
1: Thanks for having me
0: thank you for coming in I'm so glad you could do it and you know I we have so many things we want to talk about but I want to just take a minute to begin with because the first thing that I recall uh, hearing about your work researching related to COVID had to do with uncovering what how effective remdesivir was because it was the one medication the one treatment that dr. Fauci was I don't know if manding is the right word, but telling hospitals when you have a COVID patient who's really struggling, use remdesivir, and you jumped in. I just love this story because it speaks of your character as a researcher and a truth teller. What would you do about that?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, my, uh, in the very beginning of 2020, my father-in-law walked into a hospital in Dallas, Texas, was diagnosed with a viral infection of the flu. In this week of February 2020, there were zero cases of COVID in the state of Texas. So there were no restrictions going into the hospital, but uh, for family members and others, but they had diagnosed him with the flu, called the family, told us that he had been diagnosed with the flu, and then they were going to admit him and start treating him. He was elderly, he's in his 90s, uh, so then they just kept us abreast of what was going on. People, when they hear this story, often wonder, why didn't I go up there on day one, and me and my wife. The reason why we didn't go up there is because her mother, unfortunately, a few days before he walked in, had broken her neck in a fall and was in a rehab center. So we were just outside of our home, taking care of her, staying with her all day long. And when they found out that her dad had gone into a hospital, been diagnosed with the flu, the nursing staff at the rehab facility asked my wife and I not to go to the hospital to see her dad in case we would bring the flu back to where all these seniors that were in rehab for injuries were at. So we said, okay, that's fine. We'll just take care of her. And then we sent her sister to go take care of her dad. So we were getting updates every day from the hospital about his diagnosis with the flu. Within 24 hours, we were called and told that he was in acute kidney failure, now had pulmonary pneumonia. And then uh, each day it was worse. We were just getting reports that he was failing. His kidneys were failing. Uh, He was now on a, by day five, he was unconscious and now putting on breathing apparatus. And that's when I said, this is enough of avoidance of going up there. I don't care what they say about bringing the flu back to the rehab center. I am going up to the hospital. So her and I went up there that night First thing I saw when I walked into the room was the IV bag, which is providing saline into him. He's unconscious. He's a very thin man, very healthy. And now he's got this big old belly full of water and you could feel him. It felt like he had a, like a waterbed, like a big water balloon. Now he's unconscious and on a breathing machine. And uh, I look at the saline bag going into his veins. No doctors were there to talk to. This was after hours. And there's another second bag going into his vein of a drug called vancomycin. Now this is a very toxic last resort considered antibiotic for any bacterial infection. Now, Debbie, do you want to know what I was upset about initially? He was diagnosed with a virus called the flu. I find out day five, he's been being pumped into his veins directly. A drug that only treats bacteria called vancomycin. Now, because of my history of researching drugs on behalf of patients who I'm treating all naturally for 20 years, I already knew vancomycin had a published side effect to create acute kidney failure in a high percentage of people you give it to. So now I'm looking at a man unconscious that I love and a bag of a drug that poisons and shuts down the kidneys that I have been called for five days now and been given updates that his kidney failure is getting worse within 24 hours of showing up. He's now diagnosed with acute kidney failure, and now he's so bad he's unconscious and full of water. So I walked out to the nurse's station and asked them, when does the doctor show up? They said rounds start in the morning. I beat them by an hour, waited for the MD to show up, and this is where all the crap hit the fan, actually, in my case. So I had the doctor run through all the pathology reports. This sets up the stage for our entire conversation for the next four years, by the way. I'm looking at the MD who's been taking care of him for five days and I said, show me his pathology report from day one when you called us and said he tested positive for the flu. So we're gonna admit this senior citizen. He pulls up the path report reluctantly and very nervously because I introduced myself as Dr. Artis and he had no idea who I was. Show me the info. And I stood right over his shoulder in front of the computer in front of my unconscious father-in-law in the room. Show it to me. He runs down the list of everything they tested and Influenza A and B, as he gets to them on the report, are both negative.
0: Wow. Right
1: after that, viral and bacterial pneumonia are listed and both of those are negative. Now I've heard for five days now that he tested positive for the flu and now has viral pneumonia, of which he didn't test positive for either one of those. So I looked at him, he got real nervous, turned white, I'm right over his shoulder and I said, why did you lie to me and say that he had the flu? This is exactly what I said. Why did you lie to my family and say they had the flu? And he said, we must have thought it was a false positive test. And I said, I don't give a crap what you think. I want to know why did you treat him for the flu? And why do you have him on an antibiotic drug going into his veins for bacteria when the flu is a virus? So now you're guessing he's got the flu. You have no confirmation. He has a virus, but you're going to pump him full of a drug. And this is exactly what I said in front of my wife and in front of my unconscious father-in-law, I said, You do know that on the CDC's website right now there's a published article that reads, giving antibiotics when someone is diagnosed with a viral infection can do more harm than good. You've diagnosed him with a virus and you're pumping him full of an antibiotic that the CDC says can create more complications than benefits. Why do you have him on that drug? And this is exactly the words out of his mouth. Dr. Artis, this is our hospital protocol for the flu. And I said, Why would an antibiotic that doesn't treat viruses be a part of the protocol? And he goes, this is exactly what he said. Uh, Actually, Dr. Ars, we don't have him on one antibiotic. The protocol is for three. He's been on three ever since he walked in here. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't even care what the other two are. You know that one is the most toxic of all the antibiotics on earth. It is published to cause acute kidney failure. When did you start giving him that drug? I need to see the medication schedule. That started right when they admitted him on day one. And within 24 hours, they call us and say he's now an acute kidney failure. Vancomycin, the term in nursing and in hospitals is vanking a patient. They've been vanked. Vanked is toxic. Vancomycin is very toxic and causes acute kidney failure in a massive amount of people. And this is what happens, Debbie. Looking at the guy, I said, okay, great. So now you've been pumping a drug inside of my father-in-law. It shut down his kidneys within 12 hours. You called us and said, he's now an acute kidney failure. You then called me and said within 24 hours, he now has pneumonia. Now day one, he doesn't test for the flu. That's not positive. It's negative. He also doesn't test for pneumonia. So I looked at him and I said, I want you to tell me how it is you diagnosed him with pneumonia because it didn't show positive in the blood test. And he said, actually we got that from x-rays. And I said, great. Did you take chest x-rays every day? Yes. Good. Show them to me. He pulls up day one. Lung field is totally clear on the x-ray. For those of you that don't know what that means, the lungs show up completely black. Blacked out because there's mostly air in there and the electrons of x-rays go right through it. So you see a black field on the x-ray because all the electrons made it to the film. So it's all black. So I'm looking at day one. I'm like, great. There is no evidence of pneumonia. He shows me day two, which is when they called me and said he has pneumonia. Day two, I look at the, at the film and on that film, he points, not touching the screen. It's like this far away from him. He goes, there, he keeps his hand by his chest. There's the pneumonia. And I went just like this, point to the pneumonia. And he goes like this, puts his finger on the screen. It's right there. Now, looking at the lung fields, he only pointed at the bottom where there was a white line in his lungs on the bottom. And I went just like this, I don't know how much radiology studies, how many hours of that you have in training you have, but that's not pneumonia. If you would have paid attention in radiology, they tell you specifically in every medical course, every chiropractic course, it doesn't matter what it is. They tell you it looks like cauliflower in the lungs Mm. on an x-ray. A white line at the bottom of your lungs is water filling up in your lungs. And I looked at him and I said, that's pulmonary edema, not pneumonia. So now, you know, within 12 hours of him coming in here and re X-raying him again, you shut down his kidneys with vancomycin. You have another big bag of salt water going into his body. You shut down the kidney's ability to pee. Now he's retaining all that water. The water is now filled up in one day it's filling up in his abdomen, making it look like a water balloon. Now it's flooding into his lungs and you're seeing it on the X-rays. And I looked at him and I said, you started drowning him to death within 24 hours in his own fluids that you're pumping into his veins by shutting down his kidneys. And I said, now, just so you know, I was here last night. Within within 12 hours of me coming back here, his stomach is at least 10 pounds heavier than it was last night, meaning he now has more water in him. And he's still unconscious, which means I need to see every X-ray leading up to today. So show me that fine white line every day right now. Show me the X-rays. He pulls up day two. Little bit, of, little bit of water. Day three, more water. Day four, no water. Day five, more water. That level of water is what they're calling pneumonia. And that is not pneumonia. It never has been pneumonia. It is pulmonary edema and shame on every medical doctor who gives you that diagnosis. They shut down his kidneys, flooded them with water. And I told them you are poisoning my loved one to death and you're responsible. And I looked at him and said, how much Lasix are you giving him to excrete the water and help him to urinate out the excess water you're causing by shutting it down with vancomycin? And he says, he looks at me right in the eye and he says, Dr. Artis, we have been giving him Lasix every single day. Now, just so you know, I've been lied to multiple times already in this conversation. I looked at him and said, show me the medication schedule.
0: They were so sorry you came in, go ahead. Really?
1: Now, this this is what typically people are afraid to do with MDs because they don't have knowledge. That's okay. Have somebody advocate for you. There's people to do that. I just was able to do it. So I looked at him and said, show me the medication schedule. Debbie pulls it up, day one. He's running through the drugs, including vancomycin and other antibiotics and saline, and there's no Lasix. No. So now he's getting more embarrassed. And I said, show me day two, no Lasix on day two, show me day three. There is 20 milligrams of Lasix at one point on day three. Now he's feeling a little bit better that he saw Lasix on day three. This is day six, show me day four. Zero Lasix, show me day five zero LASIKs. day six, no LASIKs so far. So I looked at him, I said, why did you lie to me? And are you measuring his urine output in a bag that's hanging off the side of the bed? You have a catheter in him. Are you measuring it? And how come there's no measurements on day four, five, and six? He had to go out to the nurse's station and ask them, why is there no urine measurements on day four five and six? Oh, the catheter came out and we didn't realize it. So he just peed all over the bed. We didn't collect it. So we have no measurements. This is when I challenged him to get him, get my father-in-law off of vancomycin, put him on Lasix. Within five minutes, they came in, put him on Lasix, dosed him for four hours. He peed out 20 pounds of water weight. Gets even better. He wakes up and we have to take the breathing apparatus off because he can breathe on his own. Now he's able to visit with us. They're telling us he's dying from pneumonia and kidney failure. No, he's not. He's being drugged to death. This scenario, Oh, just, you know, we changed the whole protocols, met with all the administrators, the medical doctors, got them to change the protocol. Within four hours, he woke up totally conscious, lost all this water weight and peed it all out because of their damn negligence. The very next, that very night, my wife gets a phone call after we left because hours are over. You got to leave. Say goodbye to your father-in-law. Go home. An hour later, the nursing station calls my wife and says, Jane, uh, the administrators, medical team has all met with us at the nursing station. They've told me to contact you and let you know we are permanently stopping the changes we made to your dad's protocol. Oh, and the hospital will no longer communicate with your husband because he's not a direct descendant, and if he challenges us anymore, we will escort him out by security. Well, I was up there the very next morning at 7 a.m. And they wanted to talk to me out in the hallway when the medical doctor showed up and there was a showdown in that hallway. And man, I was screaming at the top of my lungs, uh, and they, they actually had him back on vancomycin, had him off of Lasix. Not a joke. The very next morning, my wife, seeing that they wanted to put him back on the antibiotics, she fires the nurse to her face, tells her to get out. The nurse actually said to my wife, the changes you made will kill your father. Shame on you. And that's when she fired her. So that's the kind of disgusting uh, experience I had in the hospital. The very, that very morning, they kicked me out with security because I wasn't family. They escorted me out, refused to talk to me, convinced the family what they were doing was best. It wasn't just Jane, it was older siblings or mother. They all just sided with the medical doctors that they could only trust them. Within three days, he was put on palliative care and died. Overdosing him on morphine for four and a half hours till it paralyzed his diaphragm and his heart's ability to beat. That is what palliative care is. Don't be fooled, that is a lie. When they tell you we're gonna transition you to palliative care, they are not doing that out of love. They make a ton of money drugging your loved one to death in front of you and they are euthanizing your loved one just like they do your pets in a veterinarian office. Right in front of you. The morphine drugs, opiate drugs of fentanyl, lorazepam, Presidex, and fentanyl and morphine are all used in combination, even with COVID protocols, to help your loved one be poisoned to death where they neurologically can't control their heart's function or diaphragm's contraction to draw on oxygen. You paralyze them to death and they die. So that's what they did to him. After that, three months later is when I'm watching all the news media in New York. And they're talking about when we treat COVID-19 patients for this respiratory virus, within 24 hours, a major percentage of them are developing acute kidney failure. And we've never seen a respiratory virus ever go from the lungs and attack the kidneys as fast as this one. I watched about 10 interviews like that. These press conferences out in the front of these hospitals in New York in May of 2020. And my very first thought was, and how would I not think this? Oh my God, they're treating this virus and a protocol just like they did with my father-in-law three months earlier. They diagnosed them with the flu virus, pumped them full of drugs that shut down their kidneys, blamed it on the virus. This is what they're doing again. I went to go look up online what is the hospital protocol they're using in the hospitals in New York to fill tractor trailer loads of dead bodies right. that they're telling you're dying from a virus. What are they doing to these people? So I went to the CDC's website. The CDC didn't even have a page on COVID in May 18, 2020, but there was a statement about COVID. It said, we do not have a hospital protocol for COVID. We have adopted the NIH's protocol for hospitalized COVID-19 patients. Here's the link. So I clicked it, went to the NIH, and there I read a three-paragraph memo from Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, by the way, I had never even heard his name in my whole life that I could remember. So I'm looking at this Dr. Anthony Fauci of the NIH, director of the NIAID department, and I read these three paragraphs. It's the only page in May of 2020 having anything to do with COVID on the NIH's website. Now there's a billion. But on that one page, Dr. Anthony Fauci says this. I was looking for vancomycin being in the protocol. Why would I not think that when I read this memo that Anthony Fauci says there is an experimental drug called remdesivir. That is the only drug that COVID-19 positive Americans can be treated with in any hospital in America. When that happened, when I read that statement, I was like, Oh my God, that's not even an FDA approved drug. They said it's experimental, right? They just said it was experimental, and I was like, what in the world? Why would they not be using an FDA-approved drug? Anyway, I keep reading, and it says remdesivir was proven in a year-long trial a year earlier. (laughs) Oh, that's my wife. (laughs) Sorry, people. I invited her. I wanted her with me. She provides entertainment. And the opportunity to refocus. It's really great. (laughs) Of all people on the planet in this room she would be the most embarrassed and want to die in this moment all right so when i read the that's an experimental drug called remdesivir i'd never heard of it before the blanket statement is this it reads just like this it was proven safe and effective against the ebola virus in a trial in africa a year earlier and it was found effective <coughs> against covid 19 in a three-month trial just a few months earlier in 2020 so I just clicked the link to the study that was in the paragraph. Let me go read the study. I've never heard of this drug. Let's go see. Imagine my shock, Debbie. The very first study that he's referencing, they were doing four experimental drugs, remdesivir, ZMAP, MAB114, and, uh, and a drug called, sorry, it's a uh, monoclonal antibody called, I uh, forget the name. So it's four experimental drugs. They do these, this study. Six months into the year-long study, the independent safety board notifies the funders of the study and the sponsors that two drugs are gonna be pulled from the study because they've led to more deaths than any others. But one of those drugs had a higher than 50% death rate. It was 53% of all people that got the drug died, and that's more than people that die from Ebola. It's the only drug that had that high, and it was remdesivir. And it was pulled from the study, not allowed to be used because it was the most toxic, deadly drug in that trial. So now I know this guy's lying, and this is why I hired a publicist right there from my dining room table. If I couldn't protect and save my father-in-law's life three months earlier, I was dead set, and my wife knew how intentional I was. I was gonna hire a publicist and get on as many interviews as possible to dispel this lie and expose the lie of this guy named Dr. Anthony Fauci that this drug should never be pumped inside of the veins of an innocent American ever again. And if I couldn't save his life, I was dead set on saving a whole bunch of innocent people's lives around the world, and God, I hope we did it.
0: Wow, okay. So this this incident, when you looked into Remdesivir and began speaking about it, this is midsummer summer 2020, Am I, mm-hmm. that's where it was? Okay, because I want to get at how the, among many things in this whole episode with COVID, there's never accountability and there's never even, are never answers given. So you brought out Remdesivir, and I remember, I think, I don't know if you or someone else on my show was saying doctors were calling it run, death is near, but it became- I as called
1: I was, it that for people to remember it. I came up with that for hosts. <laughs> I couldn't ever say the word. So I was like, just call it run, death is near and don't forget it, that's what it is.
0: But you know what's the most amazing thing? So here we sit, we're in the start of 2024. In fact, Dr. Fauci just testified in Congress yesterday um, and Dr. McCull- uh, Peter McCullough is gonna testify tomorrow, kind of rebutting what, um, what was said by Dr. Fauci. What I'm getting at in your entire life, I, have you ever seen, I'll just say it this way, I have never seen something so blatantly um, harmful and dishonest inflicted on the American people with no accountability, not from Dr. Fauci, as far as I'm aware, has never said, you know, now that I look at it, that study was saying remdesivir is deadly. He didn't acknowledge it. The FDA, CDC, NIH, no one acknowledges that. They just kind of moved on. And still, is that is that protocol still in place?
1: yes. This okay.
0: day. That, that, that is the most shocking thing because I, I thought there was a second study he cited that had similar results you don't have to go in the details but he really tried to say to america to doctors remdesivir this is the greatest thing ever and it was flat out untrue and and so the, my next thing is why would hospitals continue to follow that protocol once information from you comes out and others saying remdesivir is deadly.
1: Oh, this is what's shocking. Starting in May of 2020, when I started speaking out five months later, the World Health Organization declares after reviewing data supplied by the manufacturer of remdesivir, they sent them all their documents on all their trials and studies. The WHO, after reviewing it, published in November of 2020, three and a half years ago, published no COVID-19 hospitalized human should ever be given remdesivir.
0: Wow. And it was
1: all over mainstream news. Look it up right now. It's on NBC, CBS, Fox, all of them published the who's findings that no one should ever be given that drug. I'd like to know why the world health organization can publish that. You know, what's interesting. I'll just tell you why they did it. It's all about timing and they're all conspiring and they're all evil in my opinion. So this is what they did. If you don't know this, it was an experimental drug in May of 2020 when Anthony Fauci says it's the only drug we can use. All the people in New York City were pumped full of remdesivir. They all died, that's why they died. It wasn't COVID. Uh, and so May of 2020, October, the last week of October 2020 is when the FDA approves remdesivir for COVID. The very next week is when the WHO publishes their study. So now they can say, we don't actually recommend this after it's been given FDA approval. You have to understand these people are working in COOTs. Let's let the approval happen first and then
0: we'll come out a different organization and say, we don't recommend it. But why, if you're a hospital administrator, you're the, whatever the board is of doctors that run hospitals, that set protocol, why wouldn't they, based on what you brought out, just say, doesn't care what Anthony Fauci says, we're not going to use it. I'm, ser- I, I'm I, I Maybe I, it sounds Pollyanna to you, but I, I find it shocking that doctors who dedicated to keeping people alive, I won't go back to your father-in-law story in a moment, but doctors basically allegedly dedicated to keeping you alive and healthy and restoring health, why would they keep using it?
1: Yeah, this is a great question and I I was just shaking my head because it seems like not because we've talked about this a million times, but the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services, CMS.gov from May of 2020 until September of 2023 have a document where they're actually sending to all hospitals, telling them all Americans, 60 years old and older if you will give them administer Remdesivir to them for five and 10 days, we will give every hospital for every patient a 20% add on bonus to the entire hospital bill. And this was written into the cares act that allowed them to do this. So for three years, they killed people in hospitals all over America with a drug called Remdesivir and they were incentivized in every one of these steps. Every American that enters into a hospital during the pandemic, If you will PCR test them, you get a bonus hospital. If you give us a positive COVID-19 diagnosis, you get an additional bonus. If you give them remdesivir, you get a 20% add-on bonus to the whole bill. If you vent them, you get an additional bonus of $36,000 for everybody you vent. So everything adds up. And if they get a COVID-19 death, this is disgusting. There's reports that coroners were being bribed with a $9,000 bonus for every COVID-19 designated death all around the country. If you'll just call it COVID-19, we'll give you money. Greed fed this entire thing. The hospital administrators, what are they worried about? Revenue. They're not attending doctors. They're bankers on the board and administrators. They're business people, primarily. They're not medical doctors. Medical doctors in hospitals no longer are independent. They are employees of the system. So you have bosses that tell you what to do, you're gonna do it or you're gonna lose your license and that was the threat for most medical professionals.
0: Okay, so you can talk about what you just described. It does it does not in the slightest justify, but explains why hospitals will continue to to give remdesivir a financial incentive, which is is horrible. But what's motivating the government to put out that order? I mean, is it just a death wish? Why would the government, knowing the, um, is it CMS? CMS. uh, Why would they put that out once the evidence of remdesivir's deadliness was known?
1: Yeah. This is one of the things I was asked to testify in state capital buildings all around the country. And you mentioned Peter, Peter and I went all over the place every state capital building. You think of testifying to senators on behalf of vaccine injuries. I was handling the hospital protocols and telling these representatives that have been elected how to hold their state pharmacy boards and medical boards accountable because this is all over disgusting. So anyway, we did that. We testified to all of those things. Uh, sorry, ask your question again.
0: why would the center for medical care oh, services keep saying do this when they know it's deadly
1: yeah this is exactly what the senators would look at to me so we would do our presentations then they would look at me and go why would our government incentivize with a bribe our hospitals to pump a drug which i just showed them all the data is proven to be deadly and toxic why would they incentivize all six-year-old americans to get this drug and i actually turn it around to them and go you explain it to me i just showed you all the documents what, what's your reasoning this is exactly what 100% of the state reps and elected officials said. It sounds like murder for hire.
0: Yes, it does. And I
1: said, that is exactly how it reads. Well, why would they do this? And I said, notice they're picking 60 year old and older people. That is not the only people they targeted. You yeah, haven't studied Scott Scherer's work and their daughter that was murdered in the hospital with Down syndrome? They were doing it for people on Medicaid too, because it's a CMS.gov. It covers Medicare and Medicaid. They're doing it in both groups. It's disgusting. So I looked at every single one of these senators and legislators, and this is all I could say to them. Look, I've, I'm, I'm 47 years old. This is what I told them. I've been an adult for 27 years. You know how many times I've heard in the mainstream media that the baby boomer group was going to put such a strain on social security and Medicare in the future, that they were going to bankrupt those institutions. I looked at them and said, can you imagine these people have been working all their lives, putting some of their hard earned money into these, these government funded, resources to take care of them for the rest of their life. Thank you for contributing to society. I said how it feels is they need to cull that herd because they can't afford it. That's my opinion. But uh, that's, that's Well really you're not how it the reads. only one
0: excuse me. You're not the only one with that opinion. And that I was trying to get it. I obviously don't know in any first hand way. But what you just described is CMS is essentially demanding, forcing, and re and reinforcing by paying money to hospitals to administer these things that they know are deadly. There aren't that Absolutely. many other options I can think of that to justify that. We have so many things I want to get to, including what you do in your artist labs, what you talk about in your show. You're, you're basically trying to turn people to natural health solutions. Again, I love this sentence on your... Um, and your uh, two of your sentences on your uh, website, which for our happy listeners is the, uh, the, the doctor artist com um, and you have another i 'm sorry the doctor artist show.com and the other website is artistlabs.com. com the idea that creating doubt in big Pharma, restoring faith in nature, put faith in god 's healing power He infused in our bodies and the whole nature of nature around us before we get to all the good stuff that you do, I want to hit a few other things <laughs> I find truly just amazing. One is the number of deaths that have been occurring in American uh, in the society from COVID vaccines. I mean, the the, um, the, the there's been uh, a great deal of information put out. Discovery. I was going to go through a list. You gave me some documents a moment ago. I could turn to instead, but you know, I had documents ready from Steve Kirsch, who writes a regular column on Substack, Dr. Naomi Wolf, who hired dozens of experts to cull through all of Pfizer's data that basically taught, brought to the public's attention, if, you, if you're willing to read it, that Pfizer knew in the testing phase of their COVID-19 vaccine that it caused side effects, disabilities, and death was horrible. She So she brought this out. Pfizer was forced to produce it. And I don't know if you're aware, Sidney Powell did the same thing with... Um, Moderna, she just recently got Moderna's data. Same kind of thing. They knew all along. And I'm getting around to, in you know, big pharma, I mean, for most of our lives, we assume these organizations exist to try to create medications to help people. But it has become obvious that these pharmaceuticals are creating the vaccines especially, which are money makers for them because there's no patent on it. They have the patent. There's no. They can make a lot of money. But the question is, how early on did Pfizer know and did the government know uh, that there were problems uh, related to the safety of the COVID vaccines? Because we, I think they finally were released in December of 2020, is that when we got them?
1: December 14th of 2020 is when they first started going to the arms of all Americans.
0: Well, I think you probably can do a better job than I will explain this. You showed me something earlier and it was essentially (laughs) an FDA document, Food and Drug Administration document uh, plans for monitoring COVID-19 vaccine safety and effectiveness. It was a meeting of October 22nd, 2020. Repeat the date. October 22nd, 2020, before the vaccines were out. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, because basically this is data. They're talking about how they're going to monitor vaccine safety and effectiveness. And you just handed me these right before we started. So I'm going to stumble trying to. But let me just tell you why. Let me just ask you why is it, it's so important. Yeah. What, what was in there that?
1: All right, I'm just going to hold this up for the audience. This is the actual front cover of the meeting, October 22nd, 2020, the date I actually printed this off the FDA's website, in October of 2020. This is several months before the vaccines are expected to come out. This is an organization in the FDA called CBER and their plans for monitor, monitoring COVID-19 vaccine safety and efficacy. They reference VARES
0: vaccine? vaccine It's
1: called Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. They they reference that this is where they collect data for injuries so they wanna, they're just making sure that the world knows. But slide 16 of this 20 plus page report, that's what I want people to focus on because I went on every platform you can think of starting in October when this came out because I watched this live via Zoom. FDA couldn't have internal meetings. They did it by Zoom because it was all locked down. That gave us access to watch it. <laughs> so I watched it, downloaded it. Then they took it down. I couldn't believe it's back up, but they took it down for a long time. Slide 16 in their documents is the most damning document. First of two pages or slides in this PowerPoint presentation. It gives, gives a list of what the FDA said they expected to be reported to vares and to CMS.gov as injuries to the coming COVID-19 vaccines. Read some of the highlights from slide 16.
0: Things you're hearing in the news all the time. Convulsion, seizures, stroke, narcolepsy, acute myocardial infarction, uh, and myocarditis. Sebacea. Myocarditis is on the list. They knew yeah. it before the shots even came out. Before they even came out. Um, autoimmune disease.
1: All autoimmune diseases. There's 110 diseases at the time that these could create.
0: Okay, keep going. Deaths. Uh, which I, I want to get to that in a moment, but pregnancy, birth outcomes, which basically people, women are having stillbirths, or they can't, they either can't conceive, having stillbirths, or births with children with severe problems. Um, other acute, and I can't even say this word, demyelinating. Dim- demyelinating. Yeah, what is that? Diseases. You ever heard of Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? Okay, so it's when you're losing you're your. You're losing memory.
1: the protective insulation around the nerves in your body. Okay. Now you'll jitter, jumble.
0: Okay. Stumble. Disseminated intravascular coagulation. Blood clots. Blood clots. I, I was going to guess that. Yeah. There's okay. actually
1: five different blood clot disorders they name in this list.
0: Okay. Including so this, in the brain. Again, what we're talking about here is this is what the FDA, before the vaccines were even out, are saying we better get ready to keep track of all these diseases these vaccines are going to cause, including vaccine-enhanced disease, which basically...
1: Vaccine-enhanced disease, they list as a side effect. They're vaccinating you for COVID. They're telling you there is a side effect we expect to be reported of worse outcomes with COVID-19. Infection, if you get this shot.
0: Truly astonishing. So they knew to look for this. Uh, the pregnancy one I want to talk about in a Read moment. Read the first one.
1: This is my favorite.
0: I, I can't pronounce that. Is it Gulan Goulon-Barre
1: syndrome was the first thing they said. Just so y'all know, that's modern day polio symptoms.
0: Okay, say it again.
1: Goulon-Barre syndrome.
0: Okay. Paralyzed
1: leg, same side, paralyzed arm, half your face eventually be paralyzed. And some of these people are stricken, <laughs> paralyzed for life. That was the first listed we expect this to be reported.
0: I was going to say on that one, I didn't know how to pronounce it, but it's the one I read the most. I yep. see the most about. And they're just people who are perfectly healthy and athletic and, and perfectly healthy. And they get the vaccine. They end up, as you're describing, paralyzed on one side. And, and it doesn't get better.
1: Did you know that's the number one published side effect reported with the flu vaccine injuries? It's flu season, by the way. America, you've been warned. There are ingredients in the flu vaccine that cause paralyzation.
0: Okay, so they're, they're planning surveillance, they're, they're, but anyway, to get this point... Ask your point, doctor
1: if guillain syndrome's right for you.
0: <laughs> I, I appreciate that you're... So this the first point that we're talking about is the FDA knew these things were possible. Um, and then the other thing, this relates to... I, I mentioned earlier what Dr. Naomi Wolf has brought out in her substacks. Um, she, and she, by the way, Naomi Wolf is a Democrat. She loved Bill Clinton. She helped Bill Clinton. She's a total leftist. And what she discovered, how bad these, docu- these uh, Pfizer documents were. How they, and when and she originally brought her litigation, trying to force them to release the documents. They told the court they needed, they had to, they had to keep them uh, private, not released for 65 years or whatever it was, 67. Yeah. Yes, and, and so and only because the court said no, actually you have to release them right now. They did, and the documents she hired people to go through so she wasn't just a private citizen. She's not a medical doctor. She's a PhD in something. But in any case, she has turned her into a conservative. I mean, of all great things, she actually wrote a piece on her Substack saying, I'd like to apologize for all the really stupid things I believed. Because I, I mean, it's the most amazing tra- transformation of a strident leftist because she realized the government lied, Pfizer lied, all these biopharmaceutical lives. So anyway, her study's great. and um, so. But on the Pfizer, you have trial, you hand me, uh, only for, right before we started, so I haven't had a chance to read it. But Pfizer COVID-19 trial document highlights, and these are essentially a phase placebo controlled, randomized observer blind dose finding study to evaluate the safety tolerability, immunogenicity, how do we say that? And efficacy of SARS, basically the vaccine against COVID-19 in healthy individuals. So prohibit, mm-hmm. so.
1: So this document here, uh, if you guys know who Diamond and Silk is, I pulled this off of uh, an interview I did with her. She had questions, and I said, about the shedding aspect of vaccines, yeah. like what did they know? Uh, and I said, well, a year and a half earlier, before this interview with her, I said, well, I'm going to send you this list of highlights directly out of Pfizer's clinical trial data, like out of their report. They did a research study on COVID-19 vaccines. I want to know if they work. In the documents, there is damning, statements that they knew shedding was going to occur. All right, so there's a few basic things in here. I gave you the highlights. These are direct quotes with the links to the actual paragraphs inside that contract. That contract's over 140 pages, by the way. I just gave you a summary on eight pages of the most damning evidence that there is shedding. Number one, do you know the very first thing they say in here? No, if, for every female that shows up for the actual trial to get the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine in this trial, you have to do a pregnancy test first. And if it comes back positive, they're immediately kicked out of the trial. They did not allow a single pregnant woman to get the vaccines. But right when the vaccines came out, first group they said to go get it, we're all the senior citizens in America. Who was the second group? All pregnant women. And what did they say? It's safe and effective. They didn't even ever test it on a pregnant woman. They also tell you you can't have sex for 6 weeks with any partner. Anybody who's in the trial, you can't have sex with any of your people. Why? What you just got injected with will shed to the next person. Then they stayed in here, any woman that is pregnant or breastfeeding, if they are in the same room, remember they're not in the trial because they're pregnant or breastfeeding, they've already been excluded, but if a vaccine participant in the trial found himself in a room where a woman was pregnant or breastfeeding, not in the room, but was in the state of breastfeeding, if they, it says it in here, if they breathe the same air or touch the skin of the vaccinated trial participant, that is considered a serious adverse event to the mom and the baby. And then they tell the sponsor of the trial to follow the pregnant woman for up to six months and report back to Pfizer. If the baby dies, if there's deformities of the baby, but that information doesn't have to be given to the government because the pregnant person wasn't giving or receiving the vaccine. You know, they know that it sheds in the air and on your skin because they were worried about pregnant women and their birth outcomes in this document. It is the Pfizer's own data,
0: but they didn't have to report
1: to the government whatsoever.
0: And again, the lack of accountability, the biopharmaceuticals march on. And I think you and I had the conversation about this regulatory capture notion. The biopharmaceuticals aren't really regulated by or controlled by FDA, CDC, all the entities that should, because taxpayers pay for them, should be having as their primary goal keeping American people safe, and instead they're keeping biopharmaceuticals functioning and getting wealthy. I want to hit a couple of topics. I do want to get to what you do, because it's positive, and it's. I feel like this shows, I, I, I've been looking forward to having a show and diving into the data, because for the people who aren't worried, I want them to be worried, and, but then, and I hit the question, um, I want to do a couple quick topics and hit the questions. Of what if you got the uh, vaccine and you now you wish you didn't, what you could do. But I want to just uh, to mention one other topic and get your take. So someone made a film, Died Suddenly. I haven't actually watched it. Stu you... Peters. Sorry?
1: Stu Peters made it.
0: Okay. Stu Peters made Died Suddenly. Okay. So after that, and basically it was keeping track of data about the surprise. And this data is not, it's not unique to him. There have been. Insurance companies pointing this out, they have to pay out life, uh, death, uh, death benefits, life insurance benefits. Many other actual collectors of data have been pointing out there is a, a, a massive surge in unexpected death and a massive surge in number of people dying. So they did this to talk about this phenomenon. They also particularly introduced the idea that when autopsies occur, people who died after getting the vaccine, they find oddly shaped blood clots. Uh, and, and so the film was trying to say, it let these people tell their story. Let these uh, morticians say, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, they're, they're showing these strands of blood clots. And part of what happened, so, of course, some, some medical doctor jumped in and said, oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, everyone has blood clots like that. That's silly. And so uh, the, the... His you name know, is
1: Dr. Burkett.
0: Yeah, exactly. He, he's right here. He Dr. Eric he Burnett. Eric Burnett. Burnett. Yeah. Go, Burnett. Yeah. And he, he, he took a, made a really condescending video. That's ridiculous. These this guys know what he's talking about mocking the mortician. So, and I'll let you tell the story, but Ryan Cole, I believe it was one of the other doctors who's been observing all this challenged him and said, what the heck does this guy know about being a mortician? How many, he probably seen two autopsies in his whole life. So we were talking about Ryan Cole challenged him. To say well, let's have let's talk about this have a debate
1: actually they invited him to come to his lab in idaho to actually look at the blood clots underneath a microscope and ryan cole has personally told me people have sent him these large blood clots out of the lungs of people from all over the world i actually have a bunch of the blood clots you see in the movie died suddenly in my bathroom right now okay well, richard Hirschman brought them to me yeah. <laughs> who's but- <laughs> Who's the star of Died Suddenly?
0: But again, what in the world explains, and I'm very serious about these kind of questions, what explains a guy like Dr. Eric Burnett? Is he just been is he feeling guilty because he's been urging people to get the vaccines? So he doesn't want this? I mean, what would drive you to not want to see the facts and deny what seems to be occurring?
1: It, it appears there's a lot of people who believe they're experts in topics they have no education in or clinical experience in, but all of a sudden they're experts in all kinds of stuff. This guy is actually an internist who's not a pathologist. Ryan Cole. He's done. He's reviewed 500,000 cases under a microscope. I think I know. What he, he knows what he's doing. <sighs> so he, they've challenged him to come up and actually review the clots, hold the clots, look at the clots under the microscope. But uh, he has not ever done it. Doesn't want to do it. In fact, so, nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to actually be out loud admitting that they were lying to you, to your face. Well, this publicly. is one thing I
0: was going to commend about you as we turn to talk about your practice, which is. It has become, it is like the bullying in junior high school where you're told, you know, I don't want to be the one that says, well, I actually like broccoli, whatever, whatever the issue would be. There is a pressure. Broccoli. In peer- well What school do you go to? <laughs> I love broccoli <laughs> myself. But, <not laughs> no, on uh-huh. ser- but on a serious note this idea of peer pressure. You, you teach your children, don't be pushed around by peer pressure. Think for yourself. Learn for yourself. Investigate for yourself. You instill this in your children as a, as a matter of being a responsible adult. And yet you have adult doctors, this one, Eric Burnett, but literally countless others who will go along with the narrative that the vaccines are safe. There's nothing wrong with them. They've tested, they, they have proved to be effective. And yet data are exploding out there in the world, not just by you, but Steve Kirsch and Dr. Peter McCullough. And I mean, at this point, it's thousands of other doctors. I, I find that breathtaking. And I don't, besides money, is money the whole thing? That's, yeah. co- just, that's the whole thing.
1: Money and control. Yeah, this there's, is there's a very powerful institution. They're going to put actors that look like experts and all kinds, put them in a white coat, and everybody's going to believe them. You don't even know who they are. I mean, there's many, many times I've been on interviews where they had an MD running a hospital or an ER center, and they wanted me talking about hospital protocols and vaccine data. But they would ask the MDs first in all these live interviews, even on Newsmax, uh, what are you seeing now that the vaccines have been introduced by a medical doctor overseeing an ER in Tampa? It's me and him. What are you seeing, Doc, that you run an emergency room in Tampa Bay? What are you seeing now that the vaccines are being introduced? Are you seeing less cases of COVID? And he said at least five times in one minute, the data shows reduction in COVID cases. The data shows the vaccines are safe and effective. When they would introduce me, I'd go like this. Uh, That's very interesting. I would like the medical professional you have on this interview to give you a singular piece of data that they are referencing. Yeah. Do you have any? Can you give them a data point? You can't just blanketly say the data shows without giving you the data. So I physically would give them all the data and I can do it right now in every single aspect because I spend my entire 24 hours a day researching this stuff all day long on behalf of people around the world. And man, they are, they are flat out lying to you almost 100% of the time in mainstream media, 100%. And in fact, I've been asked many times to come in and talk about how are we gonna survive post pan- the pandemic with hospitals, distrust, medical profession, distrust, yes. FDA, government health officials. What do we do? Do you want my first responses a hundred percent of the time? Do you want to know how you're going to function after the pandemic? Anytime a medical doctor opens their mouth on behalf of you, you're going to assume they're lying to you Then you're going to go home. Thank you for lying to me. Now go home and do your own research on behalf of yourself. Then get on your knees and pray to God. God will tell you what it is you need if it's him or something you've read on your own research and then go make your decision. Don't blanketly blindly trust these people. They are repeating what they have been indoctrinated with. It is not their fault. They have piss-poor education, piss-poor knowledge, and if you think they're wonderful, I want anybody to write in here to Debbie Show and tell me one disease they have figured out how to truly cure in the last 140 years of this pharmaceutical industry and medical complex the way they are. In fact, they tell you right now there's no cure for the common cold still, there's no cure for any cancers, there's no cure for diabetes, but we give them billions of dollars to research something they have never figured out. So why do we keep pumping money to these institutions? Stop putting blind faith in your dollars in these institutions that are 100% dead set on making you sick, so you are diseased, have symptoms, they can sell you drugs for the rest of your life. From the birth to (laughs) grief.
0: You know, I I have a bunch of other data that I was just going to skim through briefly, but I do want to get to talk about what you do. Uh, One is the data about excess mortality. And I think you had an interview with a lawyer from New Zealand on that topic. Uh, I I mentioned... um, yeah, another one I thought was rather extraordinary. Again, I think this, I'm not sure whose show this was on, but in any case, Naomi Wolf's. She interviewed Ed Dowd, who's been gathering all this data, and he had just data about the UK and looking at the number of cardiovascular XF deaths in the UK uh, and the, the percentage increase. I mean, she, Naomi Wolf, who's, if nothing else, professional and composed, couldn't keep her act together during the interview. She, I mean, she, she says, I could not keep myself from getting emotional because the, the data are staggering the increased number of deaths. This is why I'm blown away. She's saying it, the woman you talked to from New Zealand, countless other doctors, non-medical people, people who just pay out insurance policies, and yet we march on. As I often say on the show, my husband and I watched NFL on Sundays, or we did, and Pfizer is still advertising. Oh, every, every week, You're just like, are they never accountable? Okay, so the died suddenly data's out there. Uh, Peter McCullough talking about the COVID vaccines are killing babies in the first trimester. The numbers are staggering. Um, and then Naomi Wolf writes regularly about Pfizer. Government knew the vaccines wouldn't work. Uh, she writes about, and in fact, uh, yeah, well, Dr. Walensky, um, who's the current, I don't know if she is current, but in any case, they knew fetuses and babies died, Pfizer knew it, FDA knew it, that these vaccines did that, and they said nothing. So, uh, and Dr., uh, Dr. Fauci was just up at Congress yesterday, Blathering away and just kind of, I mean, absolutely no repentance, no acknowledgement, just, you know, everything was fine. So it turns me to I want to start with this question because, I, I mean, the, the other diseases and outcomes caused by these vaccines are staggering. But let me just turn to this one question What if someone's had the vaccine, they somehow survived, don't have any side effects right now, what can they do? And
1: yeah, that's a great question. So even in respect to the mortality issues, I just want to reference back to those. There's an individual in New Zealand who pulled together data for the government and found that a a small area of New Zealand had a 30% increase in death in these last few years. And so he brought that to their attention. Uh, He was just recently jailed for coming out with that information. Uh, I interviewed uh, attorney Sue Gray. I've interviewed her for like four years now. Uh, because she was the first to sue the prime minister of New Zealand for all the COVID mandates. I had to have her on my show. We did it three years ago. And uh, ever since then, I've I've liked getting updates of the New Zealand people because they have really suffered. Uh, the UK, Ed Dowd's work that's referenced in, in Naomi Wolf's interview, 13% increase in death in the UK in 2020, 20% increase in death in 2021, 34% increase or higher in uh, 2022. Right. So these were the numbers that were so disgusting to them. Uh, so, Those are the true things. Now let's get to the causes of death. If people get the vaccines, these are pretty disgusting statistics and data. A lot of people are washing their hands, nothing to see here. This didn't cause any problems that you're hearing about conspiratorially. Did you see who just won the Nobel Prize for medicine in October of 2023?
0: I did not, not Fauci. No,
1: no, the the two inventors of the mRNA COVID-19 shots. Their names are Drew Wiseman and Catalina Carrico at the University of Pennsylvania. In my documentary with Stu Peters called Watch the Water two years ago, I told the whole world Robert Malone did not make these vaccines. These two people at the University of Pennsylvania did. Their names are Drew Wiseman, Catalina Carrico. That is where the, at the time, controversial suggestion for me was snake venom's in the shots. Why? Drew Wiseman, Catalina Carrico, there's a substance in every one of their documents starting in 2009, being paid by the NIH to make mRNA gene therapy shots for COVID. They state that in all of their research papers from 2009, that in order to do this technology, they have to use a substance called RNase or snake venom phosphodiesterase. By words in every single paper. So when I said there's snake venom in the shots, y'all need to avoid these shots before we go look into the recipes and you know research these drugs, test them to see what's in them. They state they use snake venom phosphodesterase because that venom evolutionarily will cut a mammal's DNA in half. So they can insert whatever mRNA they want to insert, whatever gene. Oh. They use venom because venom does that. Now, RNAs and snake venom phosphodesterase are all components isolated, packaged in bottles, and sent out to geneticists to do their research. They all use snake venom components to do their genetic testing and all their actual tech. This substance, snake venom phosphodesterase, I challenge anybody to please go look at the data. I will keep screaming this because I don't care about peer pressure or conspiratorial stuff. I want to save your damn life. The, the, The substance, snake venom phosphodesterase, there's a document by Bentham Science. It reads in the summary, this device used in drugs causes blood clots. Really? we call these clot shots and that substance from snake venom's in their recipes and every single research study. And you're seeing that outcome. Anybody out there, pathologist, doesn't matter who you are, the DOD of America, the department of defense in 2015, published that they have created a new blood clotting medicine. And it is called read the articles starting in 2015, snake venom hydrogels to prevent bleeding on the battlefield and they put in the drug two snake venom proteins to make these really quick rapid blood clots that are hardier and longer lasting than ever before they talk about these two snake venom proteins any of these blood clots you're seeing and died suddenly in these people around the world oh my god i wish ryan cole and anybody on the planet would finally do their due diligence why don't you send it off for mass spectrometry and look? There are two proteins they publish can cause those exact blood clots you're seeing all around the world. And snake venom's already in the shots. You might as well go look at these proteins. It's called eCarin, E C A R I N, from the saw Scaled Viper Snake. This is what the DOD has in their articles and their patents. It rapidly creates blood clots in eight seconds, where it usually takes eight minutes for the body to do it. They also state that e-carin, that snake venom protein, prevents plasmin that God gave you, plasmin, to break down blood clots as your body's making them. This snake venom protein causes blood clots that plasmin in your body will no longer be able to break down the blood clots. Then they state the second snake venom is called textilin, and it is designed to prevent warfarin, heparin, coumadin, and your own body from breaking down the blood clots. And what do you see with all these doctors around the world when they see these blood clots, they actually publish over and over and over. We've never seen blood clotting like this since COVID started, but they're all resistant to heparin and warfarin and Coumadin. It's in the literature. All you gotta do is go analyze these blood clots. Hey, Ryan Cole, take those clots, send them off to somebody and look for ecarin and textilin and textilin is also called a Kunitz type serine protease inhibitor. It keeps the body's blood clots from being broken down by drugs, or by your own god-given defense called plasmin. And these people are dying with blood clots that are rapidly forming and they can't break them down and embalmers are having to pull them out of their body.
0: Okay, you know I'm going to say three things. I'm just real. We have covered so many things, and we have only about four minutes left. And I want to get you have you talk positively. We're going to have to have a Q and A. I'm very sorry, but no about all the good things you do. I mean, you you, you discover things, you research, and they're wonderful. But you are not just researching, exposing uh, the evils of biopharmaceutical contents. But you also do. You have a very positive, healthy thing uh, that you're producing, Artist Lab. So tell us about what you do to make life better for people when you believe as I do. They they put faith in God's healing power. He infused in our bodies. Yeah.
1: All right. So just so you know, everything I've actually related here, there's an antidote to. So it's also published. And all of those antidotes are found in nature. This is the difference. You're not going to find it in a drug company. You're not going to find it in a hospital or pharmacy. All of the solutions to all of this are found in nature. For example, the blood clots that are created by snake venom. Did you know that since the 1700s, they published that there's a component in cinnamon that dissolves all those blood clotting factors of snake venom? Did you know licorice root has a substance in it called glycerohyzen acid and it actually will dissolve all blood clots created by snake venom. And there's 12 ways the human body clots blood. They're called factor one through 12 and this product called glycerohyzen acid and licorice root dissolves them all. And God made that, which is amazing. You don't have to go to drug companies to find this stuff. So in every aspect of the COVID-19 narrative, being sick with COVID, getting the vaccines, getting remdesivir in a hospital, there are natural solutions to beat them all. In fact, anybody who got the vaccines you had injected inside of you, hundred percent of you, something called snake venom, phosphodiesterase, this substance they published. There's actually one thing in the whole world that will dissolve all snake venom phosphodiesterase and make it inert. So it doesn't cause toxicity to a human. You might want to put it in your body. It's called EDTA. And you can get it at the Dr. Artist Show. I have my own formulation. You can do it topically. You can do it orally. Also, infusion centers will actually do EDTA infusions directly into your bloodstream. You've got to use it. You have snake venom phosphodesterase. The only thing they publish completely destroys all snake venom phosphodesterase from every snake on earth. I showed all the science. EDTA will do it. Also, glutathione, NAC, and vitamin C. Guess who gave us all those? God did. Not Pfizer. NAC, glutathione, and vitamin C brought to you by... Go.
0: <laughs> okay, so what you what you're trying to do at uh, the Doctor Artist Show at the at the Artist Lab, you're trying to help people become more informed that, that with whatever, even if they've already taken vaccines and have some, whether or not they're having side effects or not right now, that they can do things to clean out their system, Absolutely. correct? Yeah. And so you you just mentioned a bunch of them, and so the, the um and then you've got a protocol even for healthy people how to stay healthy. And right. I'm I wish we had spent more time featuring what you do 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 because I think it's it's quite extraordinary. Although, again, I want to commend your bravery because, you know, in the same way when I bring on experts about election fraud and they tell the truth, but you Google their name and you think, oh, you got all these, oh my gosh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. This is wrong. This is conspiracy theory. It happens to people who are willing to, to speak truth. Research uh, in the medical field as you are, it, it's a true story. Same with people who will tell the truth about election frauds. So I really commend that. So tell us some other things, what you advise for people just to stay healthy.
1: Yes, yeah, it's great. You can subscribe or just give my newsletters and my once a week shows that I do the show.com. you can just get on the email list there. However, if you really want to know what all happened to all of us in the 4 years of COVID and what to do about it, I actually felt prompted by God a year and a half ago to create a conference I held it here in Dallas called Healing for the Ages. In fact, I came in this studio the night before yeah. to actually do an entire live Q&A for 3 hours. We actually exposed to the whole world and showed all the documents how they used venoms to cause COVID. How, how they're injuring you with the vaccines, why operation telecommunications that put up all the 5G towers during COVID, why those had to go up. Yeah. 5G radiation is being used to submit frequencies to mimic COVID and all diseases. And you're gonna be sick and they needed 5G to help them. They also needed 5G to help them with their gene editing venom technology called vaccines for COVID. And we showed the whole world what you can do at home to actually protect you moving forward because they're gonna to continue to actually literally create and release pandemics all around the world until they get every single human so scared, paralyzed, confused, or coerced, or bullied to get a shot in their arm of these technologies. And these technologies are far and wide. Venoms are creating a lot of the injuries. They also have nanotech inside of them, quantum dots. They have smart dust technology from MIT. And we take you through what are all the natural antidotes to actually prevent all of them, In fact, we went so far to show you how to protect your family and your home from 5G radiation with certain paints you can put in the ceilings of your attics, the films you can put in your windows of your homes, how to read your contracts for your Wi-Fi routers. Did y'all know every Wi-Fi router in America now has 5G capability built in and they can turn it on and off whenever they want. And if you don't read the contract and call them to turn it off, they can turn on any 5G tower right in your home. And 5G is published to create double-stranded DNA breaks in any living creature leading to imminent death. You damage both, both of the DNA structures or both sides of the DNA. Your cell can't recover, you will die. These are directed energy weapons. So we taught all of you how they're using venoms, vaccines, and frequencies, water distribution. They're definitely poisoning us through the water, Uh, calling it COVID. You can watch the water documentary and learn about it. The CDC just published last week, by the way, a whole United States map and said, we've never seen levels of COVID so high in all the water in America. Oh yeah. You might want to be careful what you're drinking. And we teach you how to distill water, gravity filter water and structure water to get venoms, plasmids, everything out of there. And for those of you who are thinking this was a virus, this was not a virus. They used what are called DNA plasmids with venom proteins inside of it that you you hear called spike proteins. And I showed at Healing for the Ages how our government was funding research studies in our utility water uh, treatment plants putting DNA plasmids in it in 2017 and 19 all over the country. And they wanted to know, does chlorine destroy the plasmids with the venom spike protein in it? Does UV light from the sun destroy it? Does chlorine, does fluoride, does uh, hydrogen peroxide, which are all a part of the water treatment for our water that we have. And they found the DNA plasmids survived all of them. Why did they want to know that leading up to the pandemic? And why is the CDC not released their wastewater testing data from January of 2020 to October 2020 when everybody in America got sick they don't want to release the data it's very interesting you should want to know why
0: okay I feel like I should have been taking notes I probably should have been taking notes uh, but I did not actually know about your your um, film uh, healing for the ages healing, for the, healing the ages. for the ages where can people find that
1: go to healingfortheages.com subscribe if you did not participate in that conference everybody on the planet there's nothing more I can tell you you need to purchase the entire post production you get our video presentations You get our email to you directly, all of our PowerPoint presentations. We have a 14 day action plan workbook, how to put all the things we're teaching you into your daily lives. We did a month later follow up with all of our attendees and did a Q and A with all of them to see how it went and which you can't get now. However, there is a resources page where all of our antidotes to all of the biological weapons they're using right now we're aware of, all the hyperlinks to all of those devices, supplements, you name it. Most of the devices and the technology is free actually. We just wanted to make sure the world had access to these because we don't want anybody being afraid needlessly in the future. That was their number one most powerful tool to scare the crap out of everybody. Pump a ton of data that was confusing. What happens when an individual is confused with too much data?
0: They wait for the experts tell them You what to shut do.
1: down and you're paralyzed and so you don't make a decision. And you wait for an authority figure to tell you what to, to do. You what do. What did they all do. tell you? Get the shot. Get the shot. Get the shot. So eventually people went, and just got the shot. They didn't know what to do. Well, if you really want a clear definition of what's going on in this world, Healing for the Ages, I'm doing another conference in September of this coming year. It'll be Healing for the Ages 2.0. Next week is our planning session for that. It is an incredible team. You've got to have that information. And just, you know, in that conference, because people, we allowed them all to do Q&A live with us. Someone asked about Marburg and Ebola virus. How many of you heard of that? Okay. Okay. These are going to be the next ones they're going to create for us. Uh, I actually showed the whole world at the Healing for the Ages conference that there's already studies. They've already confirmed that there are... God created in plants substances that prevent all Marburg and Ebola virus from making a human being sick and allowing that virus to get inside of your cells. It's found in tomatoes and it's found in grapefruit juice. You're welcome, America. You do not need a damn vaccine for Marburg or for a... However, I do want to say something. When Marburg shows up, which it will, and you're going to know it because people are going to bleed out of their nose, ears, eyes, mouth. This is a hemorrhagic fever, viral, supposed... Uh, symptom. It's going to create hemorrhagic fever, lots of bleeding internally and externally. There is a substance everyone on earth has been using the whole time to prevent COVID. That substance will actually activate what they're calling Marburg and will make it worse. And I think this was a setup from the beginning to get a whole bunch of people uh, using this substance, having faith in it that it would protect them from all viruses, and it's actually going to make it worse in the future. You should stay focused on the individuals doing that research on your behalf and then testing that stuff clinically and applying it. And that's what the Healing for the Ages team is doing right now.
0: What substance? Yeah. Hydroxychloroquine?
1: No, uh, sorry, it's zinc. So everybody's going to think zinc's going to save them from Marburg. Zinc actually activates what they call Marburg virus. Uh, and just so you know, Marburg virus is actually not a virus. It's actually venom from a snake called the boom slang snake. And it's venom causes viral, it causes bleeding of all your orifices. And they publish that that venom has an absolute requirement for zinc. And just so anybody out there wondering, this is not to create confusion. When Marburg shows up, I'm gonna, if you, you want to watch me, go to the Dr. R show and subscribe or watch the Healing for the Ages team. I will be the only one hammering to the whole world to make sure you never take zinc. I will be the only one. People will follow later and that'll be fine. Just like they're doing now. They didn't want to look at the snake venom stuff. Now the NIH published, this is true. Oh my God, the spike protein is snake venom. They published that in May of 2023. That's okay. It just took a year and a half for people to figure it out. This is true. I'm going to tell you also anybody who's been vaccinated. I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry that you did not get this information. If you received the shot you had injected inside of you, snake venom, phosphodiesterase. Do you know what is published that that snake venom component needs to activate that venom to make it deadly and toxic to cause blood clots and death in your body? They tell you, if you look at the literature, it's magnesium. So anyone who's gotten a shot and they have symptoms, if they got the shot and they have no symptoms, I don't worry about it, but if you got the shot and you're injured or you have any symptoms, you have got to stop taking magnesium, I recommend, for three months, and almost immediately, their tachycardia, palpitations, heart arrhythmias, all stop within 48 hours. And I just detox them over the next three months. I have a product I release called the Foreign Protein Cleanse, it has all these herbal components in it, it's at the Dr. Artist Show, to address what they're calling spike proteins of COVID. You guys don't know this. This is super important. The way that they have actually created COVID in these long hauler COVID symptoms that so many people are dealing with. They have figured out how to use what are called DNA plasmids. And if you don't know what that is, go to the healingfortheages.com and watch all of our presentations. We show the whole world what it is. DNA plasmids are being used around the world to enter themselves into E. coli bacteria and yeast that's in your food and in your body. And the bacteria, when the plasmid goes inside the bacteria, it's naked DNA, which is inside of the bacteria and yeast, is now combining with the DNA and the plasmid, and the DNA has these little, the DNA plasmid has these little gene sequences that tell it and promote it, they're called promoters, tell the bacteria to make the venom and not to stop. So as you feed the bacteria with sugar, alcohol, whatever, any sugar you consume feeds the E. coli bacteria and the actual yeast. You manufacture and replicate more bacteria and yeast that are now engineered to make venom. This is why you have long hauler COVID. You have got to understand how they're using E. coli and yeast to do their bidding. They are little bitty biological weapon factories in all of our bodies. And if you're not paying attention, the CDC just said all spinach farms in America have what? They're all infected with E. coli bacteria. Oh, yeah. Why do you think it's there? They need it to help them. Win this war of depopulation, in my opinion, injury and death. For some reason, I don't well, know that's
0: one thing. I'm last thing I get to, we are past the time. Risk. I guess no one else is using the studios. So we can take another minute here, but uh, people hear what things like you're describing, uh, and it's it's so overwhelming and alarming, and it's the same answer you get on other issues. As I mentioned, the analogy actually to election fraud. Well, who would be doing that? Who would be manipulating the elections? And I have answers about that. But that was the last question to you was, who who would be orchestrating this perpetual, uh, you know, next next thing coming along, next danger thing, next shot you're going to need? I mean, is it, is it just people or own government? It, it's, a, it's a depopulation agenda?
1: Yeah, this is a big topic for me because I had a hard time rationalizing who would do this to the whole exactly. world. Exactly. So, like, who would create this massive amount of lie and then make us all sick. Like, and then use experimental drugs as weapons and vaccines. Of course, us all to do it. Threaten us. We can't hug our grandparents. Your grandchildren are weapons now of spreading. That's so dumb. Okay. Lots of stuff. So I wanted to know, is there anything I can read and, and God bless some people they recommended I go watch videos and go learn from people. And then they would tell me what books to go read this whole time. And I love reading. There is a book I read three years ago that actually For the first time ever, nothing else has explained to me what's going on in the world right now better than this book that was written in 1995. So all of this is opinionated because I haven't met these people who are doing this. I haven't been a part of their meetings. I haven't been invited to be inside their meetings, but this book written by Dr. John Coleman in 1995, it is called the conspirators hierarchy, the story of the committee of 300. And when I read this book, it outlines, When I say it answers every question about what you're experiencing in America today for the last four years, it explains the election fraud. It explains the pandemics. It explains the the, let's ruin and destroy the constitutional rights of Americans. It takes you through all that. Why the borders around Texas are now open and why they're not shutting them and why we're incentivizing to come over. It's all in the book. He wrote it in 1995 that this is what their goal is. So there's in the book, I refer to people to read it. He does a great job of outlining this. There's what's called the Committee of 300. Queen Elizabeth and her family remembers that group. This, this, this group that nobody knows, the Committee of 300, he knew about, he was an MI6 in the UK, Dr. John Coleman. The Committee of 300 sends their agendas to a group called the Club of Rome. It is not in Rome. This is just a bunch of elite people secretly allowed to come in. And that Club of Rome takes the instructions of the Committee of 300 for the world. Committee of 300 runs the world and they tell the club of rome what to tell their fingerling puppets what to do in the media and how to destroy you all. And those groups are the illuminati, the jesuits, the world economic forum, they list them all out in there. You'll see them all on there. These are all their little fingerlings. They're allowed to be seen in the media. You don't see the puppet masters above. Uh but in that book you actually learn I, I did not know this. When you're looking at these election stuff and you're like, "Man, how can they get away with all this election fraud?" I know. In the book you learn actually John Coleman says, of all the private meetings he had with the UK and those individuals in the Committee of 300, that they have openly admitted that they have controlled the election outcomes for every United States American president since Abraham Lincoln. You well, don't have a vote. <laughs> they
0: are already doing this for you on your behalf. They're actually dictating it all. I will read that book. I will say, I, what, where we are, and we are past time, but it's great. Where we are in America, I think that for the first time in maybe, I don't even, in my lifetime, More and more Americans, more than ever before, are awake to the idea of what is happening to our country, whether it's because it's inexplicable that they don't enforce the border. They could, but they won't. It is inexplicable why this COVID tyranny happened. All the data we've been talking about is out there, and yet the government barrels forward with uh, in in planned pandemics, it seems, and the next what forcing they're going to do with people and take away their rights. Issue after issue after issue is so outrageous, so ridiculous. I do think more people are awake, and I also think, regardless of how powerful these group of committee of 300 think they are, there are actually American patriots who are awake. But. And we are the, going to be the ones who stand up for this country, who restore to the extent possible what America is supposed to be. I think it, we're in an Amen. enormous ba- battle of our time. But I, I, I have a lot of faith in the American people. I mean, By that, I mean the average American Joe. I don't mean the people who are fingerlings and don't even know it, or, or, whether they know or not, what the, why they're being told. I just think a vast majority of people know. That many things are way off in this world, in this country, and they are on track to fix it. They're doing what they can to fix it. So, Absolutely. Dr. Brian Artis, I cannot tell you this. As I, I sent you an e- him an email earlier today. I said, okay, we need three hours, but obviously we didn't have that. We went over our time today. Um, I we already you- went three
1: hours. <laughs> wow. Well, that was fast.
0: D- you know what? That was that was an hour and thirteen minutes of really fast talking. We well, can good. I wrap
1: this up with something yeah. that people need to know. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sure. <laughs> What are you wearing? Yes, you may. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right, right. so, all right. I've been massively involved in this COVID-19 pandemic and uh, trying to help save as many lives as people and make sense of the madness and all the lies. This was a three and a half year experiment of whomever, call them the globalist, whatever. Three and a half year experiment they called COVID-19. When they dismissed in May of 2023, they dismissed the emergency of COVID in America, per Joe Biden. The very next month, the World Health Organization and all these entities started actually collecting data on every country of what their outcome of their experiment was. Well, they published in July of 2023, the WHO did, the World Health Organization, they published a statement. They said, we've had hired statisticians to review what the last four years of diabetic diagnoses have been. And there has been an exponential explosion of diabetes all over the world. So much so they've actually taken that graph out to the year 2050. Now this is what they published the year 2050. This is important because in the book, the committee of 300, they talk about this year 2050 as the end goal date. So they reference by 2050, there will be 1.31 billion diabetics in the the world. There's only 500 million right now. There will be 1.31 billion. I just want everybody to know at home, the American Diabetes Association published that 40% of all COVID deaths worldwide and in America were from diabetics. They know how to create a diabetic. In fact, during the pandemic, I've showed this at at articles or sorry, at conferences and all over the world that they, during the pandemic, while we're being locked down, they were taking the same venom's found in all COVID patients and they were injecting them into mammals and they published within 24 hours. They know they can create a type one diabetic animal with those venoms, targeting the beta cells in the pancreas to create a diabetic. They then turn around in the same studies and actually reverse their type one diabetes, which supposedly is incurable. They reverse it with one singular antidote called nicotine.
0: Yeah. Now, I want
1: to say something to the audiences. There is nothing more published to be the cure for long-haul or COVID symptoms, vaccine injuries, than nicotine. And at the thedoctorartistshow.com, there's a two-and-a-half-hour documentary called The Antidote. It is a documentary of me and medical doctors around the world after they watched it. It said there is no greater interview you've ever done, no summation of the entire COVID-19 pandemic, than what you presented in the Antidote documentary. And a lot of applause has come for that. Uh, I saw the last time on Twitter, the trailer for that had over 11 million views. That was a month ago. So there's a lot of people that have checked this out. It's called The Antidote. It's on my homepage of This The reason why this is important, diabetics, you are the target. They lied to everybody during the pandemic. It is diabetics who are gonna die. Every country around the world, they lied to you and said, that the blacks and Hispanics in America were the most targeted and sick and ill and dying from COVID. It wasn't, it was always the native Americans and the Eskimos. And when you look up their races, they represent by race of all races in America, the highest percentage of diabetics are in their races compared to all other races in America. So two years ago, I started doing presentations, New Zealand, for example, working with Sue Gray, I already had the statistics before I even interviewed her. The Maori people, the indigenous people in New Zealand were the most dying from COVID and they have the highest percentage of diabetics. So every race around the world, you, if you are diabetic and overweight, you are the ultimate target for all of this pandemic and the future one. You are their target. You're their easiest target. Why? You have excess blood sugar you can't manage. It feeds the E. coli and yeast they're using as their biological weapons to take DNA plasmids and make venoms. And as they're sitting there spitting out venoms as instructed and engineered, you will have outcomes of myocarditis, heart failure, blood clots, neurological failure, Parkinson's, MS, schizophrenia even, and new diabetes onset. These are all the things that are gonna happen to you if you do not address your diabetes and everybody needs to get your weight and your diabetes under control and 95% of all diabetics in the world is curable within one year. Don't let the medical profession lie to you. The American Diabetics Association tells you you can't cure it. Yes, you can. They've known they could do this for years. The medical profession cannot cure you. So stop going there. Obviously, they suck at their job. Since 2010 alone to now, we have doubled the amount of diabetics in America. Do you know how much money we gave the American Diabetes Association in the last 13 years to double the amount of diabetics from $20 million to $40 million? We gave them $2.5 billion to research in their mission statement. It says we've been around since 1939 to prevent and cure diabetes. Oh, yeah? How's that working out? They've 100% sucked at their mission, so stop giving them money and funding. And start listening to people who actually know how to heal you. You can use God's natural food to heal you and reverse diabetes 100% of the time. Do not fall for that narrative. At least 95%
0: of the time you can do it. I'm Dr. Artis. Ask your doctor if diabetes is right for you. And on that note, Dr. <laughs> Artist, again, I want to urge our listeners to go to your website to really read. And there's so much there. And the shows you do are very informative. You can listen to interviews. Um, and honestly, people are, as you mentioned a while ago, half an hour ago, people have less and less trust in uh, their doctors and the medical system and the hospitals. Certainly in the NIH and CDC, they don't have trust in that but they're scared. And when they're told uh, they hear that next, something next is coming, they need somewhere else to turn. So um, I love the idea of turning to your show. I love your the basic notion of God-given health and God-given what you need in life. I think that's, uh, I think, um, I think that's true in a whole bunch of levels. So, well, um, God
1: said in the Garden of Eden, He said, I made everything it was for the very benefit good. of man before yeah. He put the humans down here. You know what wasn't here when He put Adam and Eve down here? Pfizer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Go back well, to wish had-
1: Let food be your medicine. God gave it to you.
0: Well, I wish we had more time and talk about nicotine because I did see the studies that were saying that somehow people who smoked were less likely to become ill with COVID, but we can't go there because we're out of time. So Dr. Artis. <laughs> yes, you
1: can. Okay. If you want to know how to use nicotine, you go to the Dr. Artis show. There's a free patient resources uh, document called nicotine PDF.
0: Nicotine, nicotine. Smokers
1: were the least affected by COVID in hospitals, hospitalized and died worldwide and nicotine was the preventative agent. And now you know why the U.S., England, Canada, New Zealand and Australia all this year have introduced new health agendas for their entire country. They are going to be eradicating access to all tobacco products with nicotine by the year 2030. There's a reason. You're welcome. I made the whole world know that nicotine was the antidote because scientists did the research and we pummeled the earth trying best we could to get that information out to people. And yes, it has saved many, many lives around the world.
0: Dr. Brian Artis, say again where people should go to get all your information, what they should look for on your website, please.
1: Go to the DrArtisShow.com and HealingForTheAges.com.
0: Dr. Artis Show and HealingForTheAges.com. I am going to watch that too. Uh, I know you have a very busy schedule. So thank you for taking time and joining me today. Just thank you for being here.
1: I love you and I'm grateful for all of you. (laughs)
0: And thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgetis. The website is americacanwetalk.org. Every interview, blog post, everything we do is on that website. Wherever you are listening to the show, thank you for listening. Please check out our website, americacanwetalk.org. I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.